Well, good morning, morning. and happy Mother's Day to you. And uh, I got to admit, my my sermon is not about mothers; Uh, it is about Jesus. Um, But as I as I think of of my sermon topic today, I am actually reminded of 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 my mother, um, and particularly of of all the things and and all the ways that that my mom uh, took care of me and the, the things that she did for me. I'm reminded of, of a particular sort of uh, phase of my life that she was forced to endure, um, and that is my high school years. Um, it may or may not come as, as a surprise to you, uh, but as a, a high school student, I, I had a, a little bit of a stretch where I was uh, something of a troublemaker. Um, and, and I like to think of, of most of my antics in hindsight as, as relatively harmless, uh, just mostly instances of, of foolish youthfulness. Um, but that's not to say it didn't perhaps bring my parents any kind of anxiety at all. And as I think of, of those days, I'm, I'm reminded of something that our principal said to us. Uh, it was uh, as we were sitting in a classroom uh, on our freshman orientation day before the, the school year started. And he sat us down and and he said to us, he said, you know, some of you at some point during your four years here, you may find yourself in a little bit of trouble. You you may find yourself uh, being the recipient of of some discipline. He said, there is one thing that you can say when you find yourself in that moment that I can guarantee will cause me to treat you with a little bit more grace, a little bit more mercy. He said it's just these two simple sentences. I blew it. I'm sorry. I blew it. I'm sorry. Now, I didn't quite get it at the time. It it, it seemed a little bit uh, silly to me. But, but what those words were for, for my principal at the time, they were an invitation for us to, to sort of respond to disciplinary action by, by simply recognizing the wrong that we've done, by simply coming to him and saying, you know what, I messed up. I, I broke the rules. I, I disobeyed. I, I blew it. I'm sorry. They were an invitation for him and for our school to deal with us with at least a reflection of the grace of our God. Now, the other thing that I didn't know at the time was just how hard those simple words often were to say, and often still are to say. It, it may seem like, like a simple invitation, but, but oftentimes I can remember in those situations where I maybe found myself in trouble, that... The words, I blew it, I'm sorry, weren't the first ones on my lips. But rather, my my inclination was was to defend myself, to try to excuse my behavior or explain it away. That, no, 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 this is all just a big misunderstanding. I I know I've I've accrued far too many tardies to class, but, but I can guarantee you there was a reason for all of them. Or I know I shouldn't have been goofing around in in our chapel service, but but I guarantee you, it wasn't what you thought. I know I shouldn't be on the roof of the school, but I was just getting a football. 
That oftentimes my, my inclination as, as a high school student, it wasn't to acknowledge the wrongs that I've done, but rather it was to defend myself. I blew it. I'm sorry. They were often hard words to say. And I realize even still today for, for most of us, actually I would suggest for all of us, those remain difficult words for us to say. When we're confronted by, by a spouse or a family member, what is our inclination? To defend our behavior, to point out how we're actually in the right, or, or you're being far too harsh. When maybe there's conflict in the workplace, we often, what do we want to do? We want to point to the other person who's responsible. When we've committed wrongs, very rarely are the first words on our lips. You know what? I blew it. I messed up. I did wrong. I disobeyed. I am responsible. I'm sorry. But rather, our inclination is is very often, whether it's because of fear of consequences, we want to hide our behavior. Or maybe because of a refusal to admit that we could ever actually be in the wrong, we want to defy those accusations. We want to defend ourselves. Those simple words, I blew it, I'm sorry, are often very difficult ones to say. But for the people of God, those have always been words that we are invited to come and say. Listen again to our Old Testament lesson from Leviticus chapters 5 and 6 that Lloyd read for us a little bit ago. Here we see in the very law of Moses the way that God has dealt with in the past the wrongs of His people. Leviticus 5 verse 14, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, If anyone commits a breach of faith, and sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation a ram without blemish out of the flock, valued in silver shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary for a guilt offering. He shall also make restitution for what he has done amiss in the holy thing, and shall add a fifth to it, and give to the priest, and the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering, and he shall be forgiven. So here God gives prescription through his servant Moses for how he is going to deal with the wrongs of his people. Now here he speaks specifically about wrongs done unintentionally. That that if someone accidentally transgresses the holy things of God, if they accidentally commit an offense against the law, don't worry, it's okay, we'll make provision for that. But rather than defending yourself or trying to explain it away, simply come before God, admitting your guilt, and bring the offering to Him, make restitution for the wrong that's been done, and the promise here is very clear. He shall be forgiven. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. It's very simple, very clear. Do this, you will be forgiven. Acknowledge your guilt, bring forward your offering, make restitution, and God will forgive you. And this isn't just true for wrongs committed 
unintentionally, but God continues saying the same is true for wrongs or, or sins committed in ignorance. Verse 17, if anyone sins doing any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, though he did not know it, then realizes his guilt, he shall bear his iniquity. He shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish out of the flock or its equivalent for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the mistake that he made unintentionally and he shall be forgiven. It is a guilt offering. He is indeed incurred guilt before the Lord. So not just those things where, where maybe you stumbled, you, you slipped up, but those things that you just didn't know were wrong and you found out later. God says, I will provide the same exception for that. Bear your guilt. Bear your iniquity. In other words, come before God, say, I blew it. I'm sorry. And bring forward the requisite offering. And once again, you shall be forgiven. No question about it. Now maybe you're thinking, okay, so God says this for, for wrongs committed unintentionally. And He says it for wrongs committed in ignorance. But what about those things that we've done willfully wrong? What about those moments when we've done wrong knowing that we were hurting something? Knowing that we were violating God's law? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Leviticus chapter 6. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, If anyone sins and commits a breach of faith against the Lord by deceiving his neighbor in a manner of deposit or security or through robbery, or if he has oppressed his neighbor or has found something lost and lied about it, swearing falsely in any of all the things that the people do and sin thereby. If he has sinned and has realized his guilt and will restore what he took by robbery or what he got by oppression or the deposit that was committed to him or the lost thing that he found or anything about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore it in full and shall add a fifth to it and give it to him whom it belongs on the day he realizes his guilt and he shall bring to the priest as his compensation to the Lord, a ram without blemish out of the flock or its equivalent for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord and he shall be forgiven for any of the things that one may do and thereby become guilty. It is not just the things we do unintentionally, not just the things God, God's people did in ignorance, but even those things where we lied, stole, cheated others and intentionally did wrong. God says, if you are simply willing to bear that iniquity, acknowledge your guilt and come before the Lord with this offering and make it right, you will be forgiven. And so here we see over and over again, even in the covenant mediated by the law of Moses, there is this gracious provision made by God. This recognition that in our unintentional mistakes, in our ignorant mistakes, and even in our willful mistakes, we will do wrong. And so God, what does He do? He makes it possible for that guilt to be dealt with. And each and every time, 
it begins with acknowledging it. With confessing it, admitting it. Each and every time it involves coming before God and saying, God, I blew it. I'm sorry. And the promise is forgiveness. The promise is he will pardon you of your guilt. And so this law that God lays out here in Leviticus 5 and 6, it should invite us to reflect on how is it that we come before God? How is it that we deal with the wrongs that we've done? When when we come before Him, do we find ourselves over and over again trying to rationalize our behavior? That when we do something that the scriptures call us to do otherwise, are we trying to make excuses for it? Explaining how, well, really things are different now than they were back then, so this really isn't and shouldn't be wrong. Are we defiant in the way that we come before God, refusing to acknowledge, refusing to admit that we have in fact sinned, that we do in fact need forgiveness? How is it that we come before God? How is it that we come before others when we need their forgiveness? Are we defiant? Do we rationalize it? Excuse it? Refuse to admit it? Or do we, as the Scriptures invite us to do, come before God and simply acknowledge our guilt humbly, And say to him, God, I blew it. I broke your law. I disobeyed. I'm guilty. And I'm sorry. Because you see, here's the reality. If we refuse to admit the wrongs that we've done, if we try to excuse them, explain them away, or rationalize our behavior, what will happen is we will remain enslaved to and hardened in our sins. We'll find ourselves over and over again, every time we transgress God's Word, every time we defy His law, having to come up with another excuse, another explanation, another rationalization, trying to explain away the wrong that we've done. And so it will go over and over again. Transgression, explanation. Transgression, excuse. Transgression, rationalization. And so that goes for the rest of our lives. Enslaved to our sin. Hardened by it. And separated from the God who longs to pardon us. Of the God whose very identity is one who pours out forgiveness for His people. And so he invites us to instead come before him, acknowledge our guilt, simply say, God, I blew it. I'm sorry. But but here's the thing. In Leviticus, it doesn't end with those words, does it? In Leviticus, that confession and admission of wrong and guilt, that's the beginning of, of this system, but it's not the end. 
That admission of wrong is is followed by restitution and and offerings be made. Which, Which perhaps begs the question, how many is enough? Do do I have to provide an offering for every single sin, every single wrong I do? Do I have to go through life trying to make restitution for every single wrong that I've done? Is our choice in life to live defiantly, refusing to admit that we're wrong? Or on the other hand making offering for every single thing that I've done, trying to right every wrong. Because if those are our choices, both of them sound rather harsh. Both of them sound like enslavement. Both of them are never-ending. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For our sake, God made Him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God made Jesus sin, the one who was sinless, the one who was without guilt, the one who had done no wrong, God made him sin. God made him the guilty one. God made him the wrongdoer so that in him and and through his cross, you and I might become the very righteousness of God. What Paul is saying to us through these words is that God, in his infinite love for us, in his desire to pardon us for the wrongs that we've done, he has put forth the one final guilt offering in Jesus. And he has made the one who was faultless the guilty one so that you and I would be declared innocent and righteous, so that you and I could be pardoned of every fault. Not required to make any offering, not required to offer restitution before God, but rather you and I, by the perfect blood that was shed for us, have been pardoned of our sin. Everything necessary has been offered. There is no more to give. There is no more to add to it. Because Christ is enough. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin so that you and I would receive the very righteousness of God. Because of Jesus, because of the perfection that He has given to you, your sin, your guilt, your wrongs have been pardoned. And because of that, You have been set free. Set free from having to live in defiance or denial of the sin that is present in you. Set free from trying to make excuses or explain away or rationalize the wrongs that you've done. But rather, because you have seen and because you know the cross of Jesus, you are set free to come before God without fear. 
Because there God has stated plainly, He wants to pardon you. He wants to forgive you. And He already has. And not only are you set free from having to make excuse for your sin or explain it away, but you're also set free from having to try to offer something to God to make up for it. Because His cross is enough. His blood is enough. His Word has pardoned you. It has forgiven you. It has set you free. There is nothing you can add to it. Now think about how often we in the church, we tend to try to do this. We gather week after week, and we come before God and and we confess our sins. Those sins that we've committed in, in thought, word, and deed. Those things that we've done wrong, the things that we've left undone. That sin in our actions and that sin that goes to the very core of our being. We gather and we confess it and then we leave and we think we have to offer something more. That somehow that word the pastor spoke, your sins are forgiven, couldn't have been enough. Somehow that little piece of bread and that little sip of wine couldn't have been enough. And so I have to offer something more. This merely cheapens the grace of God. This suggests that somehow Jesus wasn't enough. Somehow that the Word that created everything couldn't also make you new, couldn't be enough to forgive your sins. And so our God says to those things that we wish to offer, there's nothing more to give. Jesus is enough. His blood His sacrifice, His offering is enough. One time for all. You are set free from having to make excuse for your sin. You are set free from having to offer something more. Which means that you are set free to come before God and simply confess To come before Him honestly, without pretense, without trying to make yourself something you're not. And whether that's what we long for or or, or something we're scared of, I think that's the thing we really need. That you and I, each and every one of us, the thing that we really need is to be able to come before God, come before someone openly and honestly and say, this is who I am. This is what I've done. And for that person to see us as we are and embrace us, to accept us, and to forgive us, to hear our cries and say, you know what? I know that you blew it, I know you're sorry. And yet, I have forgiven you. You have been pardoned of your guilt. Your sins have been paid for. From all of your sins, from all of your wrongs, from all of the ways that you have disobeyed, God has taken your guilt away because of His immense love for you. 
because of the perfect blood, the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, you have been pardoned. Amen? Amen.